can I have it when you're gone? I looked at the then seven-year-old granddaughter one. Oh, yes, if you want. She was referring to a fox ornament that used to take pride of place in our lounge. The fact that it proved irresistible to little fingers meant it was consigned to a safer place in the bedroom a few years ago. But not before granddaughter one had written a little label to stick on the bottom to make sure no one else would try to claim it after my death. Ellen is having this fox thing. Now she's 11 and her tastes have changed. Last week she told me I could take the label off as she didn't want it anymore. Rude. But it got me thinking about what we leave behind when we die. For most of us it won't be loads of money or priceless antiques. If my grandmother had ever had a Chippendale desk, she would probably have sold it to fund her bingo habit. You might think I'm joking, but she sold my lovely old rocking chair. However, whatever we leave behind, whether it's worth £10 or £10 million, chances are there will be family grumblings anyway. When a great-aunt died many years ago, her will resulted in several members of the family not speaking to each other for years. Daniel Craig, the actor best known for playing James Bond, said in a recent magazine interview that he wasn't going to leave his fortune, most recently valued at £116 million, to his children because he considered that distasteful. My philosophy is to get rid of it or give it away before you go. I don't know if anyone asked his children what they thought. He went on to ask, isn't there an old adage that if you die a rich person you failed? He was derided by some people, but I rather like that way of thinking, that it's more worthwhile to do something useful with your money while you're alive. I mean, I assume he didn't intend to leave his children penniless, just not silly money rich. Husband always tells our children that we're going to spend it all before we die. That said, most spare money we have we tend to give to them anyway, because yes, we are in the fortunate position of having everything we need. Of course I'd like a luxury yacht complete with crew and chef, but that's never going to happen. A rubber dinghy is the best I can hope for. A little aside here. This week in our Zach's Bible study, we looked at the Lord's Prayer as an introduction to our series on prayer. It is such a wonderful and simple example. The first half exalts God, the rest covers our needs. Note, our needs, not our wants. Give us this day our daily bread. Not a Ferrari, or even a four-course meal in a Michelin-starred restaurant. Just the basics, what we need, not what we may want. Anyway, back to what we leave behind. Assuming it's not earthly treasures, what is it? My uncle was one of the founders of what is now known as Fitzroy an organisation that, since 1962, has provided loving care homes for children and adults in the UK with learning disabilities. That, without a doubt, is his legacy, and he will long be remembered and celebrated for his part in it. John Smith, who 50 years ago founded God's Squad Christian Motorcycle Club, died a few years ago, but his memory lives on across the world wherever squad members meet, be that Wales, the Ukraine or New Zealand. And wherever they meet, 
They will be dramatic stories of lives changed that owe much to Smithy's original influence on others. Unfortunately, some people will be remembered for less positive reasons. Mrs Thatcher springs to mind, but then again the same could probably be said for most politicians. In my head, Tony Blair will always be connected with the non-existence of weapons of mass destruction and David Cameron as the instigator of the Brexit referendum. Perhaps if you want to be remembered positively, you should avoid politics. Difficult decisions will always have to be made and someone won't like them. Shakespeare got it right when he wrote, The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often teared with their bones. So, politics aside, maybe the best most of us can hope to leave is good memories. Because my mother went out to work and then died when I was 19, most of my memories of her are other people's memories, but some things are imprinted in my brain. Thanks to her, I can recite word perfectly Abu Bernard Hymn by James Lee Hunt. It's the only poem I can recite, and I have no idea why she knew it or why she thought it would be a good idea for me to learn it. I can't imagine a situation where it would come in handy or even be relevant. But it's there, stuck in my head, taking up useful space. As is the little ditty, Maisy dotes and dozy dotes and little lambsy divey, a kiddly divey do, wouldn't you? Which I found myself saying to George only the other day when I was chivying him along. Why? Hmm, I'm not sure, but it came naturally at the time. And then there's my mother's party piece. A mother was boffing her babby one night. Could be worse, I suppose. I could have the words of all the hymns we sang in school imprinted in my brain as well. Oh, wait, I do have. And was Jerusalem builded here on England's green and pleasant land? What? England's? If only my brain were like a computer and I could delete great chunks of no longer needed information. I'm sure I would be much more effective at the here and now if my brain had extra space to work with. Then again, like on the computer, five minutes later, I'd be sure to need exactly the information I had just permanently deleted. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Another sign of getting old. So that's memories of others. But what do I want to be remembered for? I have resigned myself to the fact that I'm never going to go down in the annals of history as the Welsh Margaret Atwood. Or indeed that best-selling author isn't going to be in my obituary either. Perhaps I should just aim for, she was nice, which I am on a good day, when I've taken my happy pill and no one's upset me. Nice. It's a much underrated word. My dictionary defines it, when used about a person, to mean good-natured, friendly, kind. I hope I am those things. Again, on a good day, I try to be. On a bad day, well, we won't talk about that. Few, mm, is it safe to say no one, will leave a legacy like Christ's. For 2,021 years, we've been remembering him in our calendar. And significant though that is, it's also the least important thing. Because for some of us, he's more than a memory. He is alive. 
Three days after Jesus was crucified, he appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They went back to the house the other disciples were gathered in and told them what had happened. Luke takes up the story here. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus is alive, and what's more, the Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus himself assures us, Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. When we discover that Christ is more than a memory, that he's alive, then, and like memories that may fade, the reality becomes more vivid. We don't see him in sepia hues of faded photos, or in blurred images in our head. Instead, we see with hearts aligned with the Creator. We know him. Have you ever seen someone and thought, that person looks really familiar, but you have no idea why? I was on a writing course a few years ago, and I was convinced I knew one of the other women on it from somewhere. I spoke to her in the break to try and establish where I might have seen her before. It turned out that she had been thinking exactly the same thing about me. We went through families, locations, jobs, schools, background, hobbies, churches, and could find absolutely no common ground where we might have met. It was so odd that we both had the same sense of familiarity, apparently unfounded. On the other hand, I have frequently been greeted by strange people who obviously know me, at which point I have to feign recognition and hope they give some clues to their identity and what they say. Sometimes I never find out. But the really wonderful thing is that God will never forget us, neither our names nor our faces. In the book of Isaiah he says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. A mother may forget. I've heard very sad stories of dementia patients not knowing their children. And indeed, after my mum had her second stroke, she looked at me from her hospital bed and said, You look familiar. Are you Peter? But God won't forget. Our identities, our very beings are engraved on the palms of his hands. If I have to remember something important, like an appointment, I have to write it down and set reminders to pop up in the computer at regular intervals for a few days before the appointment. If I forget to write it down, oh, then I'm in trouble. God doesn't need a computer or even a notebook. 
He is so intimately connected with us. He doesn't need reminders. When our prayers come before his ears, he doesn't have to call an angel and say, Remind me now, Liz, which one is she? Is she the one who lives in Abergavenny? Or the one who always moans? He knows. It is beyond our comprehension, but he knows. Our memories may live on through what we've achieved, our names spoken of for generations. It may only be our children who will remember us for more than a week. Or we may be like Eleanor Rigby with no one to come to our funeral or to remember us. Whoever we are, we are important to God. He will never forget us and will never leave us. Isn't that wonderful? Now, if I could just remember why I came in the kitchen. <laughs>